1: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the Autosport Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Kamenorkas. Despite the constant threat of rain at the Hungaroring ring today, Formula One got through all of its running uninterrupted with Lewis Hamilton claiming pole position for Mercedes ahead of Valtteri Bottas in qualifying. On a track where chassis potential trumps engine power, Mercedes was again the class of the field, but there was interesting results behind the leaders, with the controversial racing point cars taking third and fourth, Ferrari doing better than expected in fifth and sixth, and Red Bull struggling, with Max Verstappen only seventh, and Alex Albon knocked out in Q2. So, joining me to discuss the big talking points of the day in our latest bite sized podcast is Luke Smith. How are you, Luke?
0: Busy day qualifying as always, but uh, a pretty exciting session, so lots to talk about. How are you doing?
1: You know, I haven't been completely uh, steamrolled by, uh, by Mercedes, as I think they have shown with their opposition today, considering that it's their 2020 car, first and second, and it's 2019 car, third and fourth, <laughs> which is quite amusing with the, with the racing point. Uh, but yeah, why don't, why don't we start with Mercedes? Now, they've, they've, you know, we, we're, doing, we're doing a piece of autosport.com later tonight that just looks at what teams have gained and some of them have actually lost compared to their performance in Hungary a year ago, because it's quite an interesting track to consider because it's so aero-dependent. It's a f- big flowing track. It's almost a big karting circuit, in, you know, in a way. So it's interesting just to see how the teams have done. Now, Mercedes have gained 1.143 seconds compared to last year. Racing Point have gained a massive 2.732 seconds. So you can really see the the progress in context there. Uh, Red Bull actually have lost time compared to, compared to last year. They've lost three temps. Max Verstappen was on pole and now he's down in seventh place. So... Have we, do we think that now, like, because of the opening two weekends, Austrian Grand Prix, Styrian Grand Prix, especially in the first race, Mercedes was under pressure on the reliability front because of just the pretty brutal nature of the track, let's face it. Looks simple, the uh, Red Bull Ring, but uh, far from it. Do we think we've now seen exactly what that car has and just how good it is compared to its rivals?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think this is the. For, well, I mean, we had warning shots, I guess, over the Austria weekends. Um, the the cars finished one and two on the track in both races. I think last weekend, um, the Styrian Grand Prix. I think that we we did see more of Mercedes' potential. Like they were pretty pretty comfortable one two in the end, but kind of have a within shooting range for, for most of the race. Uh, but then today, I think we just saw an absolute demolition of the field. Like it's it's just astonishing to see the gaps that Mercedes pulled out on everyone I mean to, to finish a second clear of the field with your cars is just it's just unheard of it really is and then to see uh, as, as I know we'll get on sort of Red Bull who were so talked up as this could be the race where they really sort of like stake a claim and uh, Toto Wolf said earlier in the week that there was sort of hundred percent convinced i think were his exact words that red bull will come fighting back and really sort of be more in contention and mercedes just stepped up a gear like they literally just waltzed into the distance um they were able to comfortably uh run on the mediums in q2 as well ensure that they've got the the better strategy for the race on sunday and then yeah in q3 it's just yeah just continuing that utter demolition of the field I think today it was very telling that both Bottas and Hamilton came away feeling they did absolutely everything they could and Bottas said his lap he thought was good enough for pole because it was that hooked up and it was a 10th short in the end of Lewis and uh, yeah, they were just on another planet to everybody else.
1: Absolutely, which is which is exactly how Sebastian Vettel uh, described the uh, the gap to Mercedes and the racing point ahead of the Ferraris, as we'll come on to later. Now, yeah, you mentioned you mentioned Valtteri Bottas's lap there, Lewis. He was zero point one oh seven seconds behind Hamilton, which is which is close, but just not just not close enough. But then again, this is a track where Lewis Hamilton has won seven times, and Bottas hasn't necessarily always had the best performances here. So actually, when you think about it, probably not a bad not a bad effort there from Bottas.
0: No, definitely not. I mean, Valtteri's not been on the podium since 2017, I believe, in Hungary. So it's kind of been a bit of a a bogey circuit for him. Uh, Yeah, and like he, you could tell he was a little bit disappointed when he was talking in the press conference saying that I sort of do feel a bit of frustration because it it must be very annoying when, yeah, you put in the absolutely perfect lap, but your teammate is Lewis Hamilton, the the greatest qualifier in F1 history. Um, And just seeing what he can pull out is astonishing. So yeah, I think Bottas can be, very chuffed with that i think mercedes they know they're going into the race that it's going to be a two-horse race basically between its drivers and then that maybe would lead to some questions about do they want to try and go on alternate strategies or how do they want to manage their drivers um because yeah i think we always want to see sort of this close battle at the front we want to see the two drivers pushing each other uh but obviously mercedes will know that they're looking very much on course for a one-two and they can't really let anything uh, scupper that
1: no absolutely I mean I I asked both the drivers at the very end of the press conference whether they thought how close racing point might get and they you know Lewis Hamilton politely quite said well you know we're racing them you know sort of yeah they'll be there or thereabouts but I think they both know realistically that they're going to be comfortably ahead so uh, but let's move on to racing point as I said a massive massive gain compared to what the team delivered in qualifying at last year's Hungarian Grand Prix when both cars were out in Q1 that's 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 how that's how damning that qualifying was and now third and fourth for racing point point. and you know we've sort of we have said the last couple of weekends they've they've really underperformed against the clock and especially you know on us on a Saturday but they both they both seem to seem to nail it today Perez said he was dizzy in the car and do we think that's the difference between himself and Stroll today
0: uh it could well have been yeah I mean last Checo is uh he, he is really the team leader there. Like He, he is the, the, the driver who's really sort of looked at, I think, as being the man to score the big points and get those holes. Uh Stroll, not really known for being a top qualifier. I mean, he had a long run of, of Q1 exits even last year when he was with, with Racing Point. Uh, so, yeah, I think for him to out-qualify Perez, I think that's a, that's a really big result for Lance. And ultimately, you've got to take it with a pinch of salt because, because Perez was, as he explained, sort of feeling quite unwell. Uh, but, for Stroll, I think it's a really, really good display Like to show that even even if he may not be seen as being on a par to his teammate, he can still hook it up and he, he could still get on the second row of that grid. Uh, to line up third, I think, is a really, really tremendous effort by him. I think it's also come on a weekend where obviously we're talking a lot about who is going to be in that car next season if Sebastian Vettel were to join the team. Uh, and I asked Lance after the session, I said, like, what do you is this a big statement to have made on this weekend of all weekends? And he said, it's irrelevant. I don't really think about it like that. And gave a very sort of battleway answer, which is totally fair. But I think for the rest of the world sort of looking on, it's clear that Perez isn't, he's not wiping the floor with Stroll at all. So that I think is, that will give, that'll give more credence to any push to have a Vessel and Stroll lineup next season, maybe.
1: Yeah, it was interesting in that in that press conference. Stroll's demeanour is just qualified, uh, you know, his dad's team's car third. It didn't seem overly infused. I mean, I know he's not the most flamboyant character, to be fair.
0: After the session, Fon played a uh, a clip of him being told you're third on the grid and it was it was the most jubilant and emotional i think i've ever heard lance stroll over team radio like he's really like oh yes boys this is great and it was it was really quite nice to hear because yeah i mean we don't really hear that from lance like he's always quite quite quiet and like keeps his cards close to his chest and he's not one to sort of have these big sort of shows of emotion or anything like that but I think we sort of saw a bit more of that today which was which was really quite nice so uh, yeah i mean it's always nice seeing a, a young driver doing very well it was it was cool seeing him get on the podium and back all those years ago and he said today that it's been a, a few years since then he wants to get back up there as soon as possible and this could be the weekend
1: yeah it'd be very interesting to see how racing point go as we say don't expect it to fight mercedes you know uh, you know in a straight fight at the front but they will both both teams well well all four cars We'll be starting on the medium tire because that's just how quick they were today. Even the racing point was able to get through Q two on the mediums, which did look a little bit risky because they didn't. Because even Mercedes went out on the softs at the end of Q two just in case the Hamilton and Bottas had to pull a lap out of the bag. But obviously they didn't. So yes, be very interesting to see how they get on in the race. Now, now we're going to skip over Ferrari briefly because to talk about Red Bull because this is the team we we expected to be talking about in sort of second place pace wise. Because as we said about the Hungaroring, it's it's chassis dependent. Mainly, you know, obviously engine power will still play a big part, but it's just not quite the ultimate difference maker. Um, and the team had a really bad day. Max Verstappen only seventh, losing out to both Ferraris in what we know is not a very good Ferrari car this year. And Alex Albon out in Q2, you know, complaining about the handling in the car in practice and in qualifying, blaming the team for putting him in traffic. Verstappen spun in FP3. The car just looks a handful and... Yes, this this a really it's not a it's definitely not a happy display for Red Bull today.
0: Again, I think this was identified as being the race where Red Bull could really show everything they've got and like really take the fight to Mercedes and give us some hope of some kind of title battle this season. But that's kind of all gone by the wayside because it's clear that the RB sixteen actually it's not a particularly strong chassis. Perhaps is which is what Red has been known for over the years. Like obviously through the uh, towards the end of their Renault era, it was always that it was the engine letting down, that letting down the car. But actually, this year it seems like the car itself—that is where the fundamental issue is, and it, it seems very skittish. The drivers seem to be driving on a knife edge. Um, for someone like Max Verstappen incredibly talented he he likes that and he can work with that but as you mentioned with his fp3 spin even for him it's not not ideal and then for alban like he said that he's having to sort of adjust his driving style as he goes because it is it is difficult sort of to get get the car feeling predictable and and knowing what it's going to do it's a it's a and it's a difficult sort of outlook for them um i asked max like well this was the track where you meant to take the fight to Mercedes it looks pretty bleak for the rest of the season and he, he said well he can't really go that far but he, I think he used the words it's not looking great for the championship which is uh, I think putting it very very kindly indeed
1: absolutely yes it's, uh, it's certainly downbeat at Red Bull and well it may be after that display but let's see what they can do in the race I think Albon was Pretty confident that the team would be uh, would be would be at least looking more encouraging on its race pace. So we shall see what how they get on tomorrow. Uh, but let's let's step forward again on the grid to Ferrari, which I think did much better than we expected it to do, considering how bad things were at the Styrian Grand Prix. Uh, Sebastian Vettel called it a better weekend for us, which is rather obvious, considering you know both cars into Q three for the first time. But there definitely seems to be some sort of step, and I think that's real encouragement there for Ferrari.
0: Definitely, yeah. I think that's actually a really, like, positive good news story that can come from Ferrari, which is something they've not really had, had a lot of in 2020. And it was, it was yeah, a really good display. Both cars comfortably three to Q3. So uh, both out-qualified Verstappen as well. I think that's a, that's a pretty mega result. And I think it does show that Ferrari, like, with the chassis at least, they are at the front of that midfield and, and up there. Like, they're probably in that sort of big three um uh, ranking, I guess, that we always talk about. And it is literally just the power and the engine that is letting it down so much. And obviously, Hungary it's not a power-dependent circuit at all. This is like the track where Ferrari could do. okay, we're going to be probably a bit better than normal. And uh, yeah, we saw that in qualifying. I think they, they put in a, a really good effort. Uh, and they've now got the Maybe slight headache of their drivers side by side for the start, which is something that obviously didn't go very well last weekend in Styria. And uh, that'll be definitely something you'd imagine they would be having a few chats about tomorrow morning. But no, I think today's a good day for Ferrari
1: definitely and it will be very interesting to watch the start because the Ferraris will be the first cars on the soft tyre which is uh, as Vettel said you know that's going to give them that slight advantage off the line and possibly just in the early laps as well getting it warmed up Leclerc finishes ends up behind Vettel on the grid he said he was just sort of struggling a little bit compared to Vettel he said he wasn't you know quite happy Q1 Q2 he obviously closed it up Q3 but still just that little bit little bit further back interestingly though because uh, as as we said at the beginning of this episode uh, the the rain is a threat tomorrow as well it it could, it could rain during the race. I think that you know, there's a 90% chance it would rain in qualifying, but it didn't. And I think it's 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 going to be a similar story tomorrow. It, it might, it might not. It'll be one of those, I think, you know, the, the TV pundits will be having a field day looking up at the sky and things like that. Um Sebastian Vettel wants it to rain. Charles Leclerc doesn't. But yeah, why do you think they might why do you think the two drivers might want different things out of the weather tomorrow?
0: I don't know why you want it to rain, to be honest. Like you got maybe a shot at a a podium or something like that, a bit like Charles had at the very opening race here in Austria. But I think after the absolute nightmare of both cars crashing out early last weekend with these new updates, and then losing FP2 pretty much to, to the to the weather, they still haven't done an extended amount of running on the on, with these new updates. So they still need to get some understanding of them. And I think the longer you delay that, the more that's gonna hurt. So I think really, I, I'd side with Vettel. Like you just want a, a bone dry race, They may not be able to take the fight to the Mercedes. Well, definitely not the Mercedes. Maybe not even the racing points. But they at least will know where they stand. They'll get a clear picture of what is Ferrari's realistic goals for this season. What are these updates doing? Are they working? And I think that's probably more valuable right now than a few extra points.
1: Definitely. Well, it's interesting to note that Ferrari is another one of the teams that has gained at Hungary year on year compared to last year. It sets a quicker time in qualifying today than it did last year. Also worth noting when we talk about all these gains in qualifying is that the temperatures are really quite unusual for Hungary. Obviously, it's July; it's the height of the summer, but it's not blazing sunshine. I think you know that's that's going to have a that's going to have a considerable impact. It means the tyres are staying alive further around the lap, and also it means that the teams don't have to go quite as extreme on cooling, so the cars will just be that bit more slippery, as it were. And uh, one of that one of the teams that. Did benefit from all of that is Williams, which got both of its cars through to Q two for the first time since Italy 2018. Now I feel like we're having a bit of deja vu here, Luke, because I'm pretty sure we ended up with the Saturday podcast last weekend talking about how impressive George Russell was getting through to Q two. Uh, well, he's well he's done it again and qualifies in exactly the same position, P twelve. Started P eleven last week because of Leclerc's penalty, but yeah, another another fantastic day for Williams, which I think because as I said, the nature of the track means that overtaking is very difficult is reasonably hopeful it might stay towards the you know the fringes of the top 10 in the race tomorrow
0: Yeah, definitely. I think it's, again, another really good news story. And there was even a moment in Q1 where Russell popped up in third place and everyone was going crazy on Twitter, like, oh, this is amazing. Um, And it's just really nice to see. Like, they are, they're not the slowest team here. Like, they're they're a good step ahead of both Alfa Romeo and Haas. And that bodes really, really well. Uh, Nicholas Latifi getting through to Q2 as well for the first time in his uh, fledgling F1 career uh, in 14th. And I think that's like, that's really... That's really exciting. Like it's really cool that both of them are up there. And as you say, it's so difficult to overtake around here. Hopefully, they can they can stay there. And uh, obviously, we touched in the podcast uh, on Sunday last week about how maybe George Russell's lack of experience in terms of being in proper racing pack situations uh, in F1 maybe that did contribute to his mistake last week and and uh, and cost him perhaps a, a better result. So I think this would be another good a good chance for him to practice some of that to put it to good use same with latifi as well and uh yeah just really getting the thick of it but yeah i'm sure they're really excited for tomorrow's race to get stuck into it and uh try and muscle around the the midfield
1: Absolutely interesting to note on uh, Latifi. There's a bit, you know, a bit of a gap to Russell, but he's actually running a different specification of car to his teammate. There've been sort of alternating the updates between the two drivers in terms of who gets who gets what, and it's Russell that has got all the all the latest bits on his FW43 this weekend. Interestingly, they will both have equal equal parts from Silverstone. So yeah, well done to Latifi, to Russell, and to Williams as well. Um, but yeah, let, look let's bring this uh, this snappy podcast to an end with uh, our, our little look forward to the race tomorrow what do you think is going to happen let's just say assuming it stays dry because if it, if it is wet it'll be chaotic and no doubt Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen and all those people who normally shine in the wet will continue to shine but yeah if it, if it is a normal you know normal sort of race tomorrow what do you, what do you expect?
0: Uh, I I mean, I mean, Mercedes are going to walk it. I think that, that's to be expected or, or going very smoothly. I think a lot of that will be decided by who gets the best run down to the first corner and if he, either Bottas or Hamilton can build a, a decent kind of lead. I think Mercedes probably won't try and get too clever clever in terms of alternating strategies or anything like that because that could create more pitfalls that they don't really need. So yeah, I'd be surprised if Mercedes tried being too, too clever with that. So I think a lot of that will be decided sort of in the, in the first stint of the race. It's the battle for third that I'm really excited by because you've got the racing points that obviously are so quick, but maybe over race haven't been as hot in the Austria races. I mean, they, they were, um, Perez was fantastic in, in the, uh, in last Sunday's race. But I think we expect them to have a few more points by now. So I think this will be a really good chance for them to try and accrue that uh, big total they need. But you've got Ferrari just behind on the, on the soft tyres. So that could be interesting for the first stint. Uh, you've got Verstappen trying to fight his way through as well. I think that's going to be a really, really close battle. So, yeah, I think that's where that's where we're going to get, I think, the most excitement in tomorrow's race.
1: You know, with the Mercedes cars gone out front, if it came to it, do you think it should impose team orders to ensure the podium?
0: Yes, because they need a podium. Like, that's a, a huge statement to make. And as, as I said, they've not got the big result that they really thought they would have by now. To lock out the second row of the grid here, that's incredible. But they need to back that up. And it really doesn't matter how. You've just got to go and get that result. And I think for their Constructors' Championship and, and where they're going to be, I mean, if they are to get in the fight for, say, third place against Ferrari, for example, um, then they really just need to start thinking about that, even from this really early stage. So yeah, I think that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I think uh, particularly against the context of all of the talks about vessel and like, would it be Perez who's booted out or what's it mean for Stroll or what's going on there? I think it's a really, really fascinating storyline. So yeah, that's, that's one to watch.
1: Absolutely. Well, yes, it should be it should be an interesting race. See whether Valtteri Bottas can take it to Lewis Hamilton at the front and what happens for that final podium spot behind or as we expect to be the final podium spot. Well, Luke, thanks very much for coming on the podcast tonight and thanks to you for listening. Now, just before we go, we'd like to remind you that the latest issue of Autosport magazine came out on Thursday and is available on the supermarket shelves and in newsagents, as well as on the doormats of subscribers. There'll be a new issue of the magazine for you to pick up every Thursday, packed full of news, analysis and the usual stunning photography. And of course, if you want unlimited access to autosport from the comfort of your home visit autosport.com slash plus to find out how to subscribe to our digital package we'll be back soon another episode of the autosport podcast music is 6am by trilo Written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com slash Trilo Music.